today we're going to talk backgrounds and bullets and take a look back at Ludum Dare 47. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the 17th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I'm your host, Zachavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zachavelli underscore. Um, and we have a community Discord. You can find the open invite link to that in the show notes and on my Twitter bio. So with that, let's kick it over to the Game Dev Challenge. Um, the Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I usually provide a prompt for the community to participate in, and they send their submissions via the Discord. It's usually something like design a game mechanic or maybe make a sprite and share it with the Discord. Last episode, however, was on game jams, and there was a big game jam between then and now. It was Ludum Dare 47. And the game dev challenge for last episode was to participate in some way in Ludum Dare 47. And in our community, we had a few participants. So a big shout out to Nieblig, The Reagan, Gerald Effing Burke, Glycunt, and um, myself, I guess. Is it tacky to um, shout out yourself? Anyways. Those were the people who submitted a submission for Ludum Dare 47, so I would say those are the people who won the Game Dev Challenge from last week. So for next episode, um, this is going to be the first two-part Game Dev Challenge. And part one is going to be design a monster sprite and include a backstory or description. And so, yeah, I'll have more information about this next week, but if you can't tell, next week's going to kind of have a Halloween theme. Um, and so part one of this jam, to fit in with that, is to design a monster sprite and include a backstory or description. Um, when I say a monster sprite, I don't mean, like, your average monster that you're going to be killing. I mean, think about horror games and, like, the big bad monster. So yeah, you can uh, send your submissions in on the Discord. Again, the open invite link is in the show notes or in my Twitter bio. So now I want to talk about um, my thoughts on the Game Jam and Let em Dare 47. So Let em Dare 47 was um, October 2nd through 5th, so that'll be the weekend before this episode comes out. And if you're not familiar, a game jam is where you try and make a game traditionally in 48 hours. It's kind of a competition. Um, the Let em Dare has two versions, a 48-hour version and a 72-hour version. And yeah, they uh, start with a theme and then everybody makes a game kind of according to the theme. And I think it's a really good way to get better as a game developer. So yeah, let's talk about how it went uh, personally for me. So the theme for Let em Dare 47 was stuck in a loop. And I actually voted against this theme. Um, the theme voting kind of comes in rounds, and every time it came up, I voted against it. And this was because I felt like all games have a loop to some degree. 
That's like the whole idea of your core gameplay loop. So basically, you could argue that any game fits this theme. And because of that, I kind of took the theme in maybe a, a different direction. But um, you'll see about that in a second. But first, I want to talk about my personal goal for this game jam. Whenever I do a game jam, I try to set a personal goal, like something I want to get in, get out rather, um, out of the game jam. So like I'll set the goal to be um, learn how to make this new mechanic or create a visually striking game. That'll be my goal for the next one. Um, for this one, it was not to neglect the sound. A lot of times when I do the game jam, I really neglect the sound at the end. Most of the time, I don't even have sound. Um, just because it's like one of the last steps I do. And because you're so crunch for time, you usually start cutting things. And yeah, I just usually cut the sound. But my goal this time was to not cut the sound. And actually include it in the game and, and pay some attention to it. So anyways, my game is called Slime Wrangler. And my interpretation of the theme was to literally catch the slimes in a loop. So I kind of took stuck in a loop at its face value. And you do this by drawing lines um, on the screen in loops uh, around the little slime characters. The slimes can break your lines um, if they run into them, and lines will break if you double back on top of your own line. So um, you have to draw like one continuous loop. You can't cross back across the line. You have to connect it end to end. There are different kinds of slimes, and they kind of interact with each other. Some can buff each other. Some get faster when you loop them. I really tried to get the variations of my game mechanic out of the different kinds of slimes. And so some things I thought I did well for the game jam, I think I managed the scope perfectly. I had a scope... Um, that really allowed me to get my core idea in and make a few variations of it. And I still had plenty of time for other things that I wanted to add into the game. So yeah, I was able to kind of really tighten my game mechanic in terms of the level design and mechanic design to offer something that I think was fun and challenging, even though the challenge may have been more <laughs> than I probably... Um, wanted and that comes from I play tested the game so many times that I got really good at it and then I even dialed it back too to like make it easier and even my easy version uh, was hard for new people to come into because by the time I launched the game I had probably drawn literally thousands of loops so I got really good at the game mechanic and that made the like launch game really difficult for people who were just getting introduced to the mechanic and that kind of starts the list of things that I could have done better um, I did implement sound so I did achieve my goal but I do have to say that it was quite minimal um, and my first plan for implementing the sound was to like record live sounds and samples and then play in Audacity and kind of mess around with them um, to make cool sound effects. But by the time it came time to implement sound, I just didn't have time for that. So I used a program called BFXR, and it's kind of like a procedural sound generator, um, and it works really good. 
Um, it's really cool. It's got a bunch of different options to, it's got like presets. So you can say like jump, like you want a jump sound and it'll generate you a jump sound. And then you can play around with the different sliders to make it how you want to sound. So yeah, even though I did get sound in the game technically, um, it just wasn't how I intended to, intended to do it first. And that's kind of just chalked up to being a game jam game and having a limited amount of time. Another thing I could have done better was the uh, polish step. And this was another thing that came down to time. Of course, polishing your game comes as like one of the last steps. And I usually like to have a lot of time to polish and look over bugs and stuff like that. And it's not that I didn't polish the game. I just didn't have as long as I usually do. Um, and it resulted in a sometimes buggy loop drawing mechanic. Um, sometimes when you connect up the ends, they don't, like it doesn't connect all the way or it reads it as you're doubling back on your line and the line breaks. And that kind of sucks because the loop drawing mechanic, uh, when it works, is really satisfying. I, I'm really, I feel like it's a good mechanic, um, but that 5% of the time when it doesn't work, that really frustrates the player and I think it kind of sours it a little bit. I don't think it is something that like ruins the entire game but it is noticeable when it happens and it can be frustrating and cause the player to lose and the last thing that I could have done better um, the graphics I feel like are passable uh, but nothing special and this is because I just kind of used a really generic background um, generic UI and yeah I, I think the sprite art for the slimes is actually pretty good for me i mean my my sprite art especially my pixel art is not great but for me i feel good about the slime art it's everything else that kind of didn't tie it all together in terms of like a visually striking aesthetic and so overall i feel actually really good about the game i achieved my sound goal and i honestly think this is my best game jam game um, some lessons I learned is that sound is a huge part of the game feel. I didn't totally understand this. I mean, I knew that having like secondary feedback for your player to like realize what they're doing, like let's take uh, opening a door for instance. Um, you can click on a door and it opens and the feedback I guess is that they see it opens, but if they hear like a creak of the door opening, that's a secondary feedback. And that seems like a really tiny thing, but as I discovered while doing this, it just makes it feel so much better having like a sound play when you complete the loop. Or when you beat the level, you just have like a three-tone piano thing that just sounds nice and, I don't know, it just adds a lot to the game for what it is. And another thing I learned is that um, scope management is an absolute key and fundamental skill to all of game dev but especially in game jams um, and because I did it well this time I feel like that's what really allowed me to iterate on the game mechanic and make something that I feel like is genuinely fun so for the next uh, game jam I'm going to participate in I'm not sure when it'll be yet um, but the thing I want to focus on is keeping to an aesthetic and making a visually striking game and I have to be careful because this could be one of those things where you focus so much on making a visually striking game that you neglect the mechanics and don't make a fun game. So 
I think that'll actually be a tough challenge, but I'm excited for it uh, whenever it comes up, which I think will be soon because what I'm finding out, the more game jams I participate in, um, I'm having a lot of fun, and this one especially so because there's people from the community, kind of we were all working side by side, even though <laughs> um, like you, we all saw each other at the start or whatever, or I didn't, I was late, but at the start, everyone was real excited and, you know, awaiting the theme announcement. And then everyone went dark as they like Mad Dash to make a game in 48 or 72 hours. So, yeah, we're actually in the part of the game jam where you grade and rate each other's games. Um, this is pretty typical for game jams. Everyone who submits a game then goes back and plays other people's games and offers feedback. Of course, the whole point of these is to get better. So yeah, we're in that part now of the game jam where people are rating each other's games. And what we did in our Discord is made a temporary channel where we have a game of the day. Every day it's someone from the community's day for their game. And um, my hope is that all the people from the community go play their game and then they offer up their feedback. Um, you don't have to have submitted a game to give feedback in our Discord, um, on the Let Em Dare site, you do have to submit a game. But in our Discord, or anyone listening right now, you can go play these games and then offer your feedback. Um, and I would encourage you to do so. So yeah, with that, let's jump over to the body of the episode. Today is a quick tips episode, um, and we're going to talk about two things, kind of unrelated, but both are kind of niche things that could be valuable to people who are looking for these kinds of things in their games. So the first topic comes from Osama Kahazri on Twitter, um, and he suggested that we do a quick segment on backgrounds. And so when I'm talking about backgrounds, I'm talking about the thing that kind of happens beyond the player, behind the player. Um, it's a little bit different for 2D and 3D games. So when I'm talking about it, I don't mean like the walkable surface in a top-down 2E game, but some of the tips will apply. But what I mean by the background is like in a 2D game, like a platformer, it's what's in the distance, right? It's the backdrop that the player character kind of sits in front of. And what's important about backgrounds is that they affect the composition of your screen. And when I say composition, I mean it in like the photography way. What you want to do is make sure that there's a good contrast between the background and the playable elements. The playable elements are the things like the walkable surface, the enemies, the player character, uh, any pickups, things like that. I prefer a dark background with light playable elements as it attracts the eye better, um, but the other way can work well as long as you have a good contrast. What you don't want to have happen is that the background and the foreground or the playable area are so similar that the player can't tell, for instance, what they can and can't jump on, what's safe or not safe to touch, things like that. You want to avoid confusion like that. So you might be thinking, well, why don't I just make the background black or just one solid color? And that can work and does work for games. It kind of depends on the game you're working with. But like I said, think about it in the artistic sense and that it affects the composition of what your player is looking at. 
So make sure that it's, you know, themes and color scheme kind of fit the artistic look you're going for. If you're not um, a maybe super artistic person, I like to just think about it in the rule of thirds. Um, that's kind of a basic photography skill that means if you divide your screen up into three parts, um, so you have three vertical lines and three horizontal lines that kind of divide it up evenly into three parts, where those lines intersect is where you should have points of focus. So maybe you have mountains, um, put those mountains on those intersection points. So maybe you have a striking mountain peak on the right third of the screen, like that dividing line that separates the second third and the right third. You put that over there. And then, of course, you can have the background recycle or maybe not recycle. Maybe you have a different one for the next one. But, yeah, when you're picking out where to put your stuff like that, just to make it look appealing to the eye, um, think about the color palette you're using and the rule of thirds. You might also um, be tempted to put some kind of animation or some kind of moving effect in the background. And I think this needs to be done with care because if you put some kind of crazy animation in the background, it's really going to take away from what's going on in the foreground. It's going to be kind of distracting. But it can also, on the flip side, make things look really cool. Um, one kind of subtle effect that I think looks really good and is not too distracting is uh, called parallax. And that's like if you have uh, multiple background layers, maybe you have a row of trees and then in the distance you have mountains. Um, the row of trees scroll by the camera at a different rate than the mountains way in the distance. And I think that's a very subtle uh, but good looking effect. So if you want something like that, make sure you look up uh, parallax for your 2D background. So for 3D backgrounds, it's a little bit different. And 3D backgrounds, of course, the things that are in the distance can be made up of actual models. If the models are so far away that the player can never get to them or you never intend the player to get to them, um, don't worry about extreme detail on these models as they'll probably never be seen and you're just going to be wasting your GPU budget. There's no sense in drawing a super realistic thing that is so far away the player can't ever appreciate the detail. Usually all you have to do with distance models is use them to get the composition of your screen looking right, just like we said, for 2D. So yeah, you can use super um, undetailed models way off in the distance and they'll just kind of block out how you want your composition to look. And then of course add um, detail how you see fit. Maybe that's just a really simple texture and way off in the distance you're not going to be able to tell that it's, you know, a, maybe a lower res texture. Another thing that's very common in 3D um, games and I guess you could count it as a 3D background is the skybox. And the skybox is basically everything that isn't a model within your game. I don't know if that makes sense all the way, but it's the skybox is what comes up on the screen if there isn't anything between your player camera and the background, I guess. 
So they call it a skybox, but you may have seen this in other games. If you like fall through the floor, you see the sky underneath the world, like underneath the map. And that just kind of reinforces the idea that the sky box is not just in the sky, but it's really, it's everywhere. It's everything that's not a model. I like to think about it like being inside a giant ball and the inside of the ball is painted with this texture and that texture is the skybox. I would say that adding a skybox to your game generally will always improve the look of the game. But there's a few things you want to look look out for. Um, the first is that the style and color composition, um, you want those to match what you're going for. For instance, if you had a really realistic looking game and a sort of cartoony skybox, that clash there would be very apparent. And it leads to making a very cheap looking game because it looks like you just pieced together um, different art assets from different projects all into one thing. And the color composition is also extremely important. And you want to make sure that it matches what you're going for. Um, the sky has a huge influence on the mood that you're trying to set. Think about that even in real life. Um, think about the difference in mood between like a clear, sunny day and a cloudy, stormy day or a foggy day. So yeah, you really want to pay attention to um, how the sky looks and the skyboxes you're using because they have a huge influence on the mood of the level. And so if you've already picked out a mood for the level, if you're following the golden rule of game design, uh, or at least my golden rule, which is evoke an emotion, um, you want to make sure that this even the sky kind of helps to evoke this emotion. So yeah, that's everything I got about uh, backgrounds. Thanks again to Osama Kahazri on Twitter for suggesting the topic. So next we're going to talk about bullets. Um, there's two ways that I know of to do bullets in video games. Um, there's hit scan and projectiles. Hit scan is where an instantaneous ray goes from your gun to where the crosshairs are pointing. Um, there's no travel time for the bullets with hit scan. That's important to know. Hit scan is great for simplicity and it really helps the player hit things because they don't have to account for anything much more than where the crosshair is. It's good for games where the target moves really fast um, because you don't have to like lead your target because there is no bullet travel time. It's just an instantaneous laser from your origin point, whether that be the tip of the gun or sometimes it's just the middle of the camera to wherever the crosshairs are pointing and it just shoots out a ray that goes until it hits something. So yeah, just keep that in mind. With hit scan, there is no travel time. So the other way to do bullets in video games is to literally model them and simulate them as projectiles. And the projectile way of doing things is where the bullet is an actual game object and has some sort of physics applied to it. This allows you to simulate accurate bullet physics, like true-to-life bullet physics if you'd like, or you can get real crazy with it and have like floating orbs and other kinds of things like that shooting out of your guns. But generally, 
really, it makes for a higher skill ceiling um, when it comes to the gunplay of your game. This is because players will have to lead targets um, and account for things like bullet drop if it's a realistic physics system. And so, yeah, like I said, also with the sort of more crazy projectiles, let's take a floating ball of electricity. Maybe it moves real slow. That kind of ups the skills, skill ceiling of the whole game because you have to account for the slow-moving projectile. Um, so you have to lead your targets by a long ways. Um, the other players can dodge um, projectiles. You yourself could dodge your projectiles. It just opens up a lot more of a skill ceiling. And I think to understand sort of the duality of these two ways of doing it, um, we should look at the game Doom. Doom is a great example of combining these two methods um, and playing to their strengths. Most weapons the player uses in Doom are hit scan. Um, and this is to make the control feel tight, as where you mean to shoot is where the bullets land. And yeah, it helps the player um, be good at the game and be good at shooting, you know, moving targets. The contrast to this is that most of the enemies in Doom use um, a lot of projectile weapons or projectile attacks. And this allows for the player to use movement to their advantage and dodge the incoming projectiles. And this is an important lesson to learn, um, and it's deliberately made this way because hit scan on enemies, like an enemy AI with a hit scan weapon, would not be very much fun. Because hit scan, the only skill you're really testing is target accusation and aim, I guess, both of which a computer can do perfectly. And of course, you can program it so that they don't always do it perfectly, but it just is going to feel real, I don't know, like stiff in computer. It's not going to feel very human-like. And this will come later in the episode I do on AI, but just as a teaser right now, you want to make your AI feel human-like. And having an enemy with a hit scan weapon um, makes them feel like a killing robot, not a human. And so this is the reason and the lesson we learned from Doom um, because they didn't do it very wisely. They gave them projectile weapons and this allows the player to have some kind of counterplay. Had they done hit scan weapons, um, the player, because it happens instantaneously, the player would have no way of really countering it other than acquiring a target and shooting faster than a computer can do the same. So yeah, I thought those were some good examples um, of kind of the different ways that I know how to do bullets in video games. If you know a different way, maybe a different way of simulating it or just have a different thoughts on the methodology, uh, feel free to drop by the Discord and drop your notes. So yeah, I know it's a bit of a shorter episode uh, this time around. That's just because I had a lot going on. Uh, both with hosting this game jam uh, over on the Discord and getting ready for the next episode. And with that, I want to announce that the next episode will be a special Halloween episode. Um, I won't spoil the format just yet, but it's going to be a little bit different of a format. Maybe it's going to be the kind of thing that we revisit here and there, just like we do with the Quick Tips format. Um, but this one will be a little bit more in-depth look. So I think it'll be really fun. Um, Halloween's like one of my favorite 
holidays of the year. So it's fun to like get in the mood for it. So yeah, the next episode, episode 18, will be a special Halloween episode. So tune in for that. If you want to reach out to me, um, you can DM me on Twitter. That's at underscore Zachavelli underscore. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at the same handle. Don't forget that we have uh, a few community members who made games for the Ludum Dare 47. And their games are posted up on the Discord if you want to come play them. I think it would be really cool if you came and played them and then offered your thoughts on how the games are. I know that really helps game developers get better, um, is hearing thoughts and criticisms from their peers. At least that's what helps me. So yeah, come jump on the Discord and uh, check out the games. With that, I'm going to sign off. I've been Zaccavelli. Ignore my terrible southern accent. Come wrangle some slimes. (laughs) And I'll see you guys next time. (laughs) 